If I kept doing that, would it? <coughs> Do we need more rain? But it's, you could, God was just <coughs> the, the latter rain uh, and the refreshing rain of the Holy Spirit flowing through us, refreshing us as we pray. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God. Did I turn this off? <coughs> yeah, okay. All right. Um, you know, I like being able to... One of the reasons I have us do these prayer exercises like this, <coughs> we've all been to, to prayer meetings, right? Um, where you take like a list and... And everybody tells you what it is that they that they would like to pray for, and sometimes what you get is you're praying for cousins, children's dogs, um, you're praying for, and 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 even sometimes when the needs are big, we spend a long time telling the whole story about why this is important and why everybody should pray for it, uh, when God already knows. And when we just gather around and we invite the Holy Spirit to guide us, uh, then the Holy Spirit can actually give us the wisdom of God to know how to pray <clears throat> instead of us praying our own. How many of you have ever been guilty of praying your own opinion about something? God, let me just tell you how it is that I think you should fix this. I want you all to ask God to do this and this and this. Uh, What we've been learning is that what you want to do is go to God first and ask God how he wants us to pray about this and this and this and this. And then let the Holy Spirit reveal it. And then we pray. Uh, so we cut out the, praying like we pray for. So it's so important. I, I, sometimes I think that in worship on Sunday mornings, people don't really pray for each other. We send prayers at God, but we don't really pray for each other, especially under the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so we end up telling God what we would like to happen instead of hearing from God what he's going to do. So I think this is really, really, really one of the most important things that we do. It's really precious. Thank you, God. Um, somebody tell me what this is. Some old castle. Some old with a, with a cistern. Yeah, with a duket. Uh, so, um, this is Blarney Castle. Uh, have you ever heard of, Blar of the Blarney Stone or Blarney Castle or anything like that? You, ki you kissed the Blarney. So, was that, that was in your much younger, more athletic days, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not that long ago. All right. Uh, so Blarney Castle is a castle in Ireland. Um, and it's, it's not the oldest. It's not the biggest. It, but it's famous because it has a, a rock up in the top of that uh, castle up there <coughs> called the Blarney Stone, which was 
It was a gift from, okay, so who, at the Battle of Bannockburn, who was the, the king who, uh, yeah, well, anyhow, the, whoever won the Battle of Bannockburn sent this stone to, as a gift to the, the, whoever it was who was the master of this castle, for, thanking for his help for the battle. It was supposed to have supernatural properties uh, to give you the gift of gab. Um, yeah, what's left of it? There's, there's, a, you know, there's actually like 140 acres associated with the, the, the whole manor and the layout. And, um, but the only reason I'm bringing this up, uh, you don't need to know anything about the Blarney Stone except this. Uh, our son David, daughter-in-law Amy, uh, and our granddaughter Alice, and Amy's father and stepmother, and Peggy and I are going to spend a night in this castle this next August because there's a there's a now like a bed and breakfast complex associated here. We're going to spend a week in. Ireland and a week in Scotland. <coughs> and it's a, a, I'm still not taking you. That was, that was, there was a special plan to not do that. Uh, wait. <coughs> but the, the, and so we're, we're kind of excited about it, um, but it's still like nine months away. Um, so, and, uh, assuming it doesn't fall down between now and then, you're right. But here's the point. David and, and Amy and Amy's parents have been planning this trip for over a year. We've already got the hotel reservations. Um, we've actually got some of the airline reservations. Um, there's a lot of work has been going, have been going on to put, to putting together the perfect, and they've given a lot of thought to this, uh, David planned the Ireland side. His in-laws planned the Scotland side. <clears throat> and there's a lot of stuff that's supposed to happen. There's a lot of details. David and Amy, one thing they're going to do in Scotland is they're going to ride, uh, David and Amy and Alice are going to ride on the train <clears throat> that was the inspiration for the Hogwarts Express. Because uh, um, uh, 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 the author of, all the Harry Potter books wrote them in Scotland, and uh, and that was a train that she rode. And when she was looking for some, the notion of <coughs> what would a train ride, a, a train that would take people from the normal world to the magical world, that was, this train was familiar to her, and so this is how she described the train. So David and Amy and Alice are going to ride that train, and while Peggy and I drive an SUV carrying all the luggage trying to keep up with him, driving on the wrong side of the road. <coughs> um, yeah. So, um, they, I mean, every detail has been meticulously planned out. And, and, and we're all looking forward to it, but they're especially looking forward to it because they've, they've put this plan together and they've got this, 
imagination in their mind of what's going to happen at every one of these places and, and reasons for why we're going to all these places. <clears throat> and um, it's but, but, no expense has been spared, I can assure you, uh, to make sure that the plan comes together in, so that all of these dreams are being fulfilled. So uh, let me just ask this question. How do you feel about planning in advance? Are you, how many of you are big-time advance planners? Uh, <clears throat> that you, you don't just go off uh, and do something at the last minute. You, you give some thought to it. You give yourself plenty of... How many of you have got most of your Christmas gifts already? Uh, they're not that great at planning. Because uh, um, <clears throat> um, um, there are just some people who... Uh, who look forward with with such a, a specific vision that they devote themselves, you know, expend a lot of energy and a lot of thought, and get all the details together, and they get a lot of joy in doing that. It's almost here's a, uh, here's another example. Uh, years and years and years ago, thirty. Let's pick a number. Thirty years ago. Peggy bought a kit, and she built Penny a dollhouse. Uh, worked really, really hard on it, and, uh, and Penny enjoyed it, and, and all her cousins enjoyed it, and then they eventually outgrew it, and it's been sitting in Penny's room, kind of sort of deteriorating, uh, not in great shape, and Penny hasn't had a chance to take it back to her house, and you wouldn't want to take it back with Sam there anyhow. <coughs> uh, so... Uh, but over Thanksgiving, Penny decided she was going to get the dollhouse out so that Laura uh, and our youngest granddaughter, Sarah, could play with it during the Thanksgiving holidays. And, and Penny got the hot glue out, and she, she, she vacuumed it out. She cleaned it all up, and she spruced it up and, it, and glued the things back together. <coughs> uh, and Laura was so excited not about playing with the dollhouse necessarily she was excited about getting it all back together in perfect uh, perfectly restored so that she could watch Sarah play with it she was and she wanted uh Penny couldn't find the set of little dolls from 30 years ago that she played with it. And so <clears throat> she, so Laura said, well, that's okay. I can make dolls for that. So Penny said, well, you're, you're, you're right. You could do that. So Penny went down, ran down to the dollar store and bought craft supplies. And Laura spent a morning making little dolls to go into the dollhouse. And so on the big day, I mean, she just couldn't, she was just waiting, waiting. She'd been looking forward to this and she'd worked on it. She was waiting and looking forward to it. When, they, when Jonathan and his family arrived, Laura was like standing at the door and as people were coming in the door, she like grabbed Sarah and said, Sarah, come on, come on, you've got to show you this. And, and so, and they got in there and they played with it along with Joe, who, 
it turns out, and, and I knew this would be true, Joe was a big fan of the dollhouse as well. And so ultimately, Joe and Sarah spent a long time playing with the dollhouse. And Laura just stood there and beamed and kind of coached uh, how you do this. So Laura had a plan. She put the plan. Her plan was down with very details. Make the dolls, fix this, get it all ready. Uh, she had a plan. And she looked forward to the plan. Some people are just like that. And then there's me. Uh, well, you know, uh, I know it'll all work out somehow. And uh, I just want to be in the moment and enjoy whatever it is that's happening and trust God to fill in the details. <coughs> so, so, so there's a, there's a big benefit of planning. And uh, I, can, I can just suggest to you that as long as you're willing to let the, God, let the Lord adjust your plans. I mean, what, what does it say in Proverbs? Um, uh, a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his paths. So as long as you, it's okay to have a plan, as long as you're ready, willing for God to adjust it, uh, planning, it's better to plan than not to plan. Uh, and so it's with that thought of the importance of planning, the importance of figuring things out in advance, and the importance of looking forward with enthusiasm that I present this Christmas verse to you today. Because God, God's been working on a plan for, for a while. In the beginning, and when was the beginning? In, at the beginning. At the, before time began, that, that Phillips Craig and Deed song, uh, and before time began, he was on his throne. In the beginning, the very, very, very beginning of whatever was, our, kids are start, our grandkids are starting to ask questions like, well, who was there before God? We talked about this at Thanksgiving. I can't remember which one of the kids brought it up. Uh, it was probably Sarah. And who, was, who, who was before God? What was, what was there before there was God? Nothing. God was. God was all there is. And in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. <clears throat> this is where we set the stage. I can't... I'm not going to get off and talk about the Trinity and how that all fits together because it just gives me a headache. But <clears throat> that there was God and then there was this expression of God's nature and character and his love that uh, John is referring to as the word, the, the, the logos, the, the clear human representation of who God really is. <clears throat> And he was in the beginning with God. From Listen, from the very beginning, of t- it wasn't like God was there saying, well, um, this is all awesome, but I think I'll make a part of me that we'll call the Word or we'll call Jesus just in case for some kind of backup. It was always, this was, this was always who God is. He was, in the, he was in the beginning, the very beginning with God because he, he was God. And all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So Jesus uh, was cooperating in the Godhead as the agent of creation. Look at this. Just All things came into being through him, the word. And apart from him or without him, nothing came into being that has come into being. 
what Jesus says, uh, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. That's always been true. Apart from Jesus, the universe could not have come into being. Uh, that's, that's the awesome aspect of God's, uh, the way God works in eternity through Jesus. Uh, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Um, what you're looking at here is an example of how awesome God is at doing advance planning. From the beginning of creation, God knew that one of these days, Wayne was going to need to be delivered. God knew one of these days, both of the Pats were going to need to be delivered, saved of something. God, um, whatever it was, whatever that time, God, looking down from before time began, looking down through eternity, was aware within himself that there were things that were going to take place in creation that were going to result in your, mine, our desperate need for restoration and help and healing. This is not a situation where God set creation in motion, light be, light was, um, cockroaches be, cockroaches were, uh, let's make some land, let's make some water, let's start a big zoo, let's get Adam and Eve, and then turn it loose, and then after a few millennia said, dang, that whole thing is completely messed up now. What am I going to do? Now what am I going to do? I had this great plan, and they've messed it up. I've, now I've got to go. Now I get, oh, well, now I guess I'm going to have to go out and sacrifice my son to clean up this mess. <clears throat> yeah, don't make me have to come down there, but there you went. Um, no, 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 no. From the very beginning of time, in the beginning, there was Christ with God. Because God knew from the very beginning that we were going to break it, that we were going to be broken. And his plan from the very beginning was to have the resources in play. So here's what we learned about God. First of all, God's a planner. From, from before time began, he knew what our need was going to be. He prepared a plan to take care of it. He's a creator. Yeah, he made flowers. He made trees. He made puppies. He made kittens. He made you. And just making you, looking at, you are his poema. You are his creation. You are, you, the fact that he brought you into existence brings joy to God. And God looks at Gloria and he says, look at Gloria. Isn't she cute? I made that. I made that. Isn't she special? I made her. I just look at her and... I just, a work of art. Yeah, Jonathan? Well, that's, I'm sure that there, so, so, 
so we have so so we have we have cat videos, right? <laughs> but but then 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 God has Carl and Carlene. <laughs> uh, there there is an essence of, of of just sharing life with us. If you want to call it entertainment, if you want to call it in, engagement, if you want to call whatever you want to call it, God God brought us into existence because he he that's who he is. He is a creator. He is a sharer of life. He is a breather of life. And in this exchange, there's, there's entertainment, there's love, there's joy, there's blessing. And he made all of this and he made you. But his blueprint also allowed for sin and ugliness and darkness. Because there can't be that joyous exchange of love, a love relationship, if you're just a robot. It's not like... It's not like this. It's not like God uh, created Chuck. And God said, now, watch, I'm going to wind him up. And watch what I can make him do. Hello, God. I love you. You are awesome. No. God, and the, the amazing expanse of his love, created you with the ability to not Love him back. He created us with the ability to turn our backs and walk away. To, to give us... Unless you have the freedom to walk away, you don't have the freedom to love with all your heart. And so that meant that there was always... His, his plan always allowed for the existence of sin and ugliness and darkness, and it actually got started depending on how you want to figure biblical chronology and and uh, the, the whole concept of when and how the which universe got started and all sort of metaphysical, metaphysical stuff that I don't want to talk about today. <clears throat> A lot of sin was actually already working in the world before uh, Adam and Eve. It just wasn't working in the garden. But I don't want to get off into that. But, but that was part of his plan, which means that from the very beginning, God was a deliverer. From the very God had a plan to speak you into existence. He had a knowledge that coming with that, there would be the risk, or he, because he exists out of time anyhow. He already saw the direction that I would end up going. And so, out of his love for me, he prepared a plan to deliver us. All of this before the planets spun into existence. And he said, I'll show, back this up just to catch this last part. God, um, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. So we need to talk about this. Light versus darkness. What is light? This is your basic uh, seventh grade general science. What is light? Well, you could say the absence of darkness. Uh, somebody has something else to say? Things become visible. Light is what makes things become visible. Absolutely right. Anybody else? And, and the, yeah, let's look at this. 
Simply stated, light is God's way of transferring energy through space. <clears throat> we can complicate it by talking about interacting electric and magnetic fields and quantum mechanics and all of that, but, <clears throat> but the basic scientific definition of light is that it is energy. It's power <clears throat> that's being <clears throat> transmitted through space. That's what light is. So... Um, Let's ask this question then. What is darkness? That's right. A place where there isn't any light. Or energy. Or power. A place. Now we can start. We can talk about dark matter. Who wants to talk about dark matter? Not me. Uh, A place where there isn't any light. There's no energy. No life. No peace. No hope. Darkness is nothingness. In him was the life, was life, and that life was the light of men, and the darkness didn't understand it. Okay, so there's a concept here we need to look at. Uh, Here's a word we don't get to use in in a sentence very often. Zoroastrianism, let's all say Zoroastrianism. Uh, so now in the time of Jesus this religion was this is a religion it comes from Persia Iran um, apparently nothing good ever comes from Iran and uh, but the, the concept of, of Zoroastrianism uh First of all, it was probably the religion of the Magi uh, coming. Uh, we, we saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Uh, when we were in the east, from here we saw his star, and now we're coming to find it. And uh, we want to worship the baby Jesus. Uh, the fundamental principle of this religion is that there is a battle going on between two opposite but equal Gods. We got one of them. It's called Araman, who is the god of light or goodness. <clears throat> There's another god who's called Ormuzd, the god of darkness or evil. And in this particular religion, they these two forces are equally balanced, and they are forever fighting it out. And the proposition. Uh, of this religion is you have to choose a side. Uh, you're either part of the light or you're part of the darkness. Choose a side. There's a lot more to it than that. Uh, and uh, I could talk about Richard Wagner at this, Richard Wagner at this point, but I won't. Uh, so uh, the underlying issue here is that it's rooted in this concept of dualism which is that spiritual forces, that there are two spiritual forces on the earth, and we don't know yet which one is going to win. Sometimes evil wins, sometimes good wins, but they're they're locked in this battle. So so dualism, uh, um, even though it's a a hallmark of Zoroastrianism, um, it also filters into Christianity and Judaism and a lot, because it's just... Our natural human 
stupidity um, makes assumptions about things without reading what the Bible says. Dualism being one of them. How many... Uh, it's like, oh no, the devil's going to win. We have to do something to fight the devil and make him go away. And, uh, the, uh, and there's a certain aspect of the of the concept of spiritual warfare, which is actually not based in scripture. It's based in dualism. Uh, that uh, this notion that uh, if we don't do something, God is going to lose. Um, there are things that are there things that God wants us to do from time to time to stand up for his kingdom and to promote uh, his kingdom and to uh, uh, to spread his light? Absolutely. But there's never, ever, ever, not ever, never, ever a reason for Christians to panic over who's going to win or not. Because why? Because because anybody because because the devil's already defeated his that chapter was written and settled. If you want to compare it to anything, I guess maybe you could compare it to those, some of those Japanese soldiers after World War II who still thought that World War II was going on, and so they wore their uniforms and carried their weapons until finally, three or four years later, somebody landed on this abandoned island and said, hey, did you hear the war was over? No, the battery on my radio went out. Um, some of our batteries aren't working very well. The battle is over. There this is not a biblical concept that there are two equal forces. Oh, my. I punched the wrong button here. Uh, um, where am I now? Okay. Uh, th- there, is not, there are not two equal forces. Uh, here's the cool thing. John makes a very clear statement here when he says, first of all, Jesus, in him was the life, and that life was the light of men. And the darkness could not comprehend it. In other words, let's let's talk about this important word here. The darkness could not comprehend it. Uh, The word here is... Katalambanian. Let's all say that. Katalambanian. Okay. Katalambanian. And this, this word has three possible uh, applications in Greek. It means that darkness can't, cannot understand this light, this life. Darkness Looks at it, doesn't get it. Darkness doesn't. And you run into, we run into people all the time that are not in the light. They are in the dark. And when we start talking about Jesus, it's like what? Like, say, what? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't need that. I don't understand it. I don't understand why you need it. Uh, darkness doesn't understand light. So one possible application. In him, was the, this light was, was the light of men. And the darkness could not understand. People in the dark don't understand the truth. It also says this. Another application is darkness can't overtake it in order to overwhelm it or control it. There's, there's this light that comes from Jesus. And the darkness, no matter how oppressive it seems. How many of you have been in Carlsbad Cavern 
down, you go underground, and they turn out the lights. How dark is that? Really, really, really dark. And that's right, you can't see a thing. Yeah, you feel it. It's just like, Yeah, that's right. It's like going blind. And then maybe sometimes they they strike a little match somewhere and and all it takes is that little tiny spark and suddenly the the whole room, this giant cavern, just didn't feel quite so dark anymore. It doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take much light to completely push back darkness. And in Jesus, we have the source of all the light that there is. So... So all it takes, darkness can't overtake or control or overwhelm the light that Jesus brings. Darkness tries, darkness thinks it can, but it can't. Uh, And more importantly, darkness can't put it out or stop it. Not then, not now, not ever. The darkness which floods this world will never, ever, ever in any way, shape, or form be able to overcome or put out the light that is Jesus. And from, the, from the beginning of the world, we sit there, we, we look at the news, and we get frustrated, and we get angry, and we panic, and we start to freak out. No matter how dark it may seem at times in this world or in your life, Jesus has already won. Jesus has permanently flooded this world and flooded your life with light, with hope, with power, with his presence, and it and the darkness will never be able to prevail against it. There are times when you feel like you're in the darkness, but it's mostly only because you're not you're looking because you've got your eyes closed. Because if you opened your eyes and looked to Jesus then the light comes on. Darkness is a temporary deception. The bad things that you're reading in the news today, that's a temporary deception. The, <coughs> the pain that you are going through right in your life, the confusion or the choices or the battles or all that stuff that you're going through right now that seems like it's maybe about to crush you and blow away all your dreams, that's a temporary deception because... It is impossible for the darkness of the enemy to put out the light of Jesus. You may be temporarily going through a Carlsbad moment in your life. But what's it that people say? uh, Just because the sky is cloudy doesn't mean that the sun has stopped shining. Um, God is still on his throne. Jesus is still. Jesus has. How detailed is Jesus? Pl- is, is the plan that Jesus has for you? How detailed is it really? Started from the foundation of the world. Looked at Randy Hobbegger. God had a blueprint for Randy Hobbegger stored in his hard drive. He'd already designed it. He said, I want to make sure that, that Randy has just what he needs, just when he needs it. So I'm, so I'm going to. I'm going to enter into the world and bring light so that that light can flood into Randy's life. 
so that light can flood into Nate's life. Because I want to be there with him and for him and fighting with him and for him and give him the light and the power that he needs to overcome whatever it is that he is going through, that I know he's going to go through. So from the foundation of the world, in the beginning there was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And we find out in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and he came to live with us. He moved into the neighborhood like Louis said the other night. He moved into the neighborhood so that he could be close to us and bring us the light and the life that we need. And that plan was in place before the sun started shining. That's how invested God is in you. That's how invested God is in all of us. That's how invested God is in his creation. No matter how dark your life seems to be today. No matter how dark this world seems to be today. The battle is already over and the light will never go out. I want to show you this verse. We jump forward to chapter 19. Jesus was hanging on the cross. And... The last words that Jesus spoke from the cross were, it is finished. The word in Greek is tetelestai, and it means a perfectly completed work. It's also the word that uh, an accountant would write over... uh, a ledger with somebody's debt on it when the final payment was made. Tetelestai means paid in full. It also means a plan brought to a perfect, successful conclusion. The plan of God from the foundation of the world for Chuck and Gene Hall, <coughs> Randy Munzabais, my mother, Laura, John, Peggy, all the people in the sound booth. <clears throat> that plan that had been started from before the sun was lit and the earth was spinning had its perfect fulfillment on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. And for a long time in my life, <clears throat> I, you know, when I was younger, I... I used to just think that that what Jesus was saying is, well, I'm dead now. We had a good ride. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I did the best I can. Now, God, it's up to you because I'm done. Stick a fork in me. It is finished. No. This This was a cry of victory. This was a cry of success. This was when you drop the perfect play and the time's running out and you throw a pass down the end zone and the guy, your receiver, catches it and you win the game with, with time running out and everybody's going, Yay! Tadalestai! Tadalestai! It's finished! We won! We won! And at that moment, darkness went out forever. The darkness in your life, in your life, the darkness in this world, 
was pushed back. It pops up here and there because, again, God still leaves people choices. But not only do we have hope, we have victory, ultimate victory over anything, any area of darkness that the enemy is trying to apply to our lives. Because that was his plan from the beginning of the world. He created a world. He needed to create a world that had darkness in it because that was the only way that people could choose light and choose love and choose him. But he made a plan to eradicate darkness so that any of us could step from darkness into light. So that even wherever you go in a world that's still dark, whenever you step into a room with the, with the love of Jesus in your heart, you become a source of light and a source of hope. And not only do you have what you need, but you become a conduit to bring light to other people. That's the way the gospel spreads. A little bit of light even flowing from your little AAA battery is enough to light up a room for other people to see hope and truth. So <clears throat> there's a song. I'm going to... I've got some words here so that this is an old song by the Gaithers that's just so powerful. It's about this moment that Jesus was on the cross. And I want you to sing it if you can because this is our song. This is our theme song. This is our testimony. Um, This is our promise.